athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked in to the dopest show on radio. This is Botch to Row, and I am your host, Donald Ware. Got the song playing in the background by two of my favorites, Josh Stone, a friend of this program featuring Common, who is an alum, of course, of Florida A&M, also a former guest of this program with the song, Tell Me What We're Gonna Do Now. Got a whole lot to get to on today's program. The NBA draft took place on Wednesday. Anthony Edwards went number one to the Minnesota Timberwolves. How do you think your team did in this year's NBA draft? We're going to break down a couple of the teams for some of our affiliates, as a matter of fact, on today's program. Uh, Number two, James Weissman to the Golden State Warriors. Of course, the Warriors struggled mightily last year, mightily. No Klay Thompson. Uh, Steph Curry sat out. Uh, No Green last year. So you're looking at the Warriors who were looking to come back on this year. And then look what happens. Klay Thompson tears his Achilles. He is out for the upcoming season, meaning 2021. Now, remember, we just ended the 1920 season, not that long ago, and he's out for the 2021 season. So if you're the Golden State Warriors, what do you do now? I mean, James Weissman is a big pickup, no question about it. You had a need at center. You definitely feel that need, especially for the way that the Warriors play. A lot of fast pace, a lot of outside shooting. You're looking at your center to do more of the dirty work, a guy that can defend block shots, a guy that uh, is good around the rim, and certainly James Weissman does all of those things. But now you lose a critical piece in terms of Clay Thompson. That is huge. So, I mean, the Warriors may have had an opportunity to compete for the NBA championship coming into the season but I think that is totally, totally. I mean, I I just don't see. I mean, you, you know, they'd have to go out and get someone comparable, better than a Clay Thompson. I mean, who are they going to go out and get ultimately in terms of signing someone, trading for someone that? I mean, I've heard Ubre as a possibility. Of course, Ubre was traded from Phoenix to uh, the the uh, the uh, the uh, Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, now now he's not that kind of player. Like, you know, I, I when he was with the Wizards, 
I mean, I thought he had reached his cap. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. So when the Wizards decided ultimately to trade him, not to offer that uh, that next year contract, that's a that's a team option. I was like, okay, that's fine. He goes to Phoenix on the trade, and it was unbelievable. But but would he be that kind of player for the Warriors? I mean, we've seen the Warriors try to do some things here and there to try. I just don't see – I mean, they're going to have to – I don't think Oubre is comparable to Klay Thompson, certainly not the shooter. I mean, Oubre's a decent shooter. He plays above the rim. He's a solid player, actually. But, I mean, he's not a Klay Thompson. They need a Klay Thompson type of player, and I don't know. I, I just think it's over uh, pretty much for the Golden State Warriors again. Thompson, Klay Thompson, out for the twenty. 21 season with an Achilles injury. So we're going to talk some more NBA draft here on the program. We've got some guests lined up for you today here on Box to Row. We're going to be joined by World Series champion L.A. Dodgers catcher Will Smith. L.A. Dodgers will uh, catcher Will Smith going to join us today here on the program. We've got some other guests lined up for you on the program, of course, my NFL predictions for week 11 went eight and five last week. Got to say went eight and five on last week. And so we'll see what week 11 has to offer. I mean, there are definitely some intriguing matchups with respect to week 11 in the National Football League. And we're going to break all of those down today on the program. Your participation here on Box Row is always appreciated. We always want you to participate Hit me up via Twitter at Box2Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. You can also hit me on my personal Twitter account, at DWare1, at DWare1, or my personal Instagram account, at WearDonald. Thank you to all of the great affiliates around the country that carry Box2Row. As a matter of fact, we've got a new affiliate, Actually, three or four new affiliates uh, to introduce today on the program. It's actually one conglomerate that has four uh, radio stations, and we'll introduce them a little bit later on in the program. Uh, as a matter of fact, in an area, in a couple of areas that we've been trying to get back on in. So thank you again to all of the great affiliates that carry the program. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, Channel 142, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. Let's get back to the draft because I want to talk some NBA. It's been uh, a while since we've talked some NBA here on Box to Row, and I want to talk uh, some NBA because uh, you're, you're talking about the draft and uh, some of these kids that were ultimately drafted. Listen, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good right now. I mean, i got to be honest with you about getting LaMelo Ball like, Really, if you're in the top three, you couldn't go wrong. I mean, they would have done well uh, to get an Anthony Edwards, would have done really well to get a James Weissman, and did really well, did the Hornets, to get a LaMelo Ball. So what LaMelo Ball brings to the table for the Hornets, he brings a guy uh, that 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 really is a true point guard, 6'8", he's got some good size, did well, in the pro leagues. He played in some good pro leagues overseas 
Uh, matter of fact, cut his high school career short, didn't have any college, decided to go overseas, played for a couple of years, uh, and is now with the Charlotte Hornets. So you have Terry Rozier. You also have a Devontae Graham who really stepped forward uh, last year. You know, this is an interesting dynamic, and I think I've talked about this on the program before as it relates to the Charlotte Hornets. Right now, the Charlotte Hornets are on the clock for LaMelo Ball, meaning in four years, four years from now, uh, or after, I shouldn't shouldn't say from right now, but in essence, uh, four years after uh, this upcoming basketball season, LaMelo Ball most likely is going to be gone, going to be gone from the Charlotte Hornets. This is the reason. Um, he's going to do his thing, no question about it, I mean, unless I think within this two-year period that the Hornets can make the playoffs and show some promise. Uh, again, at the end of the day, I mean, first of all, going back, uh, the Hornets haven't really had any free agents to come to Charlotte for whatever reason. Maybe it's too small of a market. I mean, Charlotte is a beautiful city. It is growing. Um, you know, it, it is a small market. I, I would, I mean, I don't know if I would liken it to a smaller Atlanta. I wouldn't li- uh, liken it that way, maybe from a, a standpoint of the way that it's growing in terms of its uptown, in terms of its nightlife, things of that nature. Uh, I may liken it to a smaller version uh, of an Atlanta. But I mean, a couple of things. A, when you look at a guy like a Kimball Walker, they didn't take care of Kimball Walker. When it was time to take care of Kimball Walker, after having been in Charlotte for seven years, a homegrown guy, they lowballed him. They lowballed him on a contract extension. Ultimately, he went, got what the, the most he could get from another team, that team being the Boston Celtics. Look at the Hornets. The Hornets were in the lottery, the number three pick. The Celtics went what, to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And I think what, what, weren't, the, uh, weren't the, uh, the Celtics a game away from possibly playing in the NBA championship. So, you know, he made his move. But at the end of the day, all of the great players that have played for the, that have uh, been great players for the Hornets, Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson, I believe Kendall Gill, uh, you know, Kimball Walker, The list goes on and on. All of these guys were homegrown players. All of them ultimately got traded, left, whatever the case uh, may be. So the Hornets are on the clock. That said, I think uh, Ball is a guy that can be a game changer for this organization. Uh, I think if you show that, hey, in in a two-year period, you make some moves. I mean, they've got some guys, P.J. Washington, et cetera, that, that uh, have some promise. I think if you show, can maybe get a, a, a decent free agent or two, uh, continue to draft well through the draft, maybe in a couple of years, if you can show some promise, then maybe you can get a guy like a LaMelo Ball to ultimately stay uh, because uh, the Hornets – uh, in four years, when his next contract is due, would be able to pay him more than any other team could pay. But I'm saying it now. I think the Hornets are on the clock, uh, unfortunately. But we'll see. I mean, I like the makeup of this team. 
Ball comes in. You can play him at the three. He can run the point. Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham. I think it's a decent mix. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. Come back. Later on in the program, we'll try to talk more NBA. But up next here on Box to Row, we're going to be joined by L.A. Dodgers catcher Will Smith. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to... From the press box to press row. We track down the names making news in sports. From the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a young man in just his second season in Major League Baseball with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He is now a World Series champion. He is the catcher for the Dodgers. He's Will Smith. Mistake him for that, Will Smith, as he joins us here on Box to Row. Will, congratulations and welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on, too. Absolutely. We, we got to talk about you and another Will Smith uh, also. But I want to start here. What does it mean to you? Not you're, you're, what does it mean to you, first off, to have won the World Series? Has that, like, sunken in? I know it's been a couple of weeks ago. Has it sunken in yet? No, I mean, I, no, not really, honestly. You know, we didn't really get to celebrate because all the, all the COVID stuff. But, no, there's times, you know, I'm driving down the road or, you know, you wake up. It's like, man, we won. And you can't beat that. You can't ever get taken away. And it hits me at times. And, you know, it hasn't probably fully sunken in. But, you know, I'm enjoying it. And I'm in a great place. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's what you try to do in baseball is try to win a World Series. Yeah, it's interesting because last week we had Chase, uh, Chase Elliott on. He's won, of course, the NASCAR uh, Cup Series championship. He's not even 25 years old. You're 25 years old. And to, to, to be so young in just your uh, a second year. And, by the way, I might add an integral part of this Dodgers team. Sort of talk about that and really being a second-year player already having won a, for, a, for a franchise like the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, you know, ever since I got drafted in 2016 by them out of college, I, you know, the, the big main goal was to win a World Series. And, that, you know, that being part of the Dodgers organization, that's what they were chasing. You know, even when I was in single A, it was the main goal is, yeah, you know, I'm trying to get called up to the big leagues, but the main goal is winning a world, win a World Series for our fans and bring one back to L.A. and and yeah, to be to be a part of this team this year and 
you know, win it all for the first time in 32 years. It's it's special for all Dodgers fans and it's special for me. Yeah, no question about it. Um, let me and I spoke about the Will Smith deal. So you faced a pitcher also by the name of Will Smith. I I, I hear you chuckling. Uh, Atlanta <laughs> three run shot against you. Uh, take us through. Take us through that. Obviously, you guys' names are the same, but take us through that and what you saw there. Yeah, you know, I was I was just waiting for a pitch I could drive. You know, big situation in the game, big situation in the series. We were down three one in the series at that point. Down in that game, you know, we're facing elimination, and and yeah, I got a pitch I could hit. You know, three two, and didn't miss it. Put it over the fence, put us ahead in the game, and you know, then we just kind of rolled the rest of the series from there. Will Smith is the catcher for the L.A. Dodgers World Series champions as he joins us here on Box to Row. Speak to that. I mean, I think, you know, before you can even talk about defeating Tampa uh, in the World Series, you have to talk about being down to Atlanta three games to one to to come back uh, from that. It looked like another oh, here we go again scenario with the Dodgers, but it didn't happen that way. Speak to that and how you guys were ultimately able to be resilient to come back down 3-1. Yeah, I mean, we were we were down 3-1, but, you know, honestly, in the clubhouse, the field was, we're still in it, you know. We had Beeler still to pitch, Curtis still to pitch. We had guys still going the next few days where it's, we're going to have a really good chance to win these next couple of games. You know, just keep playing good baseball. Um, you know, we were, we were still really confident, which is kind of surprising, I guess, to say when you're down 3-1, but we knew we were the better team. We know we could do it, and we ultimately we did come back and win against a, a really talented and really good Braves team. Yeah, and and some may say that Clayton Kershaw got the proverbial monkey off of his back with his performance throughout uh, the postseason and in the World Series. Can you you know can you sort of speak to that and sort of you know how well he did and some of the stuff he was throwing uh, throughout the course of uh, the playoffs. Yeah, he was, you know, he was dominant in the playoffs. He was dominant all year for us. He was, you know, he was our ace. And he did all year. He did exactly what an ace does and what we needed him to do in the playoffs. And, you know, we rode him. Guys guys fed off him. Other pitchers fed off him and watched what he was doing. And, you know, he really set the mentality um, for how we were how we were playing those games. And, and, yeah, we just followed right along and rode him. And, you know, he set the tone for us. You know, as a young guy, I mentioned you, you look at the likes of a Clayton Kershaw and some of these other uh, pitchers on the roster. Uh, again, you're a young guy. These guys are veterans. Your second year in the league, these guys have been playing. You know, speak to that, how you've, you had to sort of make that adjustment um, from uh, even from uh, your rookie year in 2019 to this year. You've become more of a, uh, I'm assuming, a vocal guy in terms of uh, what these guys need to do in certain situations. Yeah, you know, I've you know, I definitely learned a lot through, you know, the last couple of years being up in the big leagues with, with these guys around me, a bunch of you know, even last year, a bunch of veteran guys like Russell Martin, David Freeze. Being around those guys, you, you learn a whole lot, kinda you learn what it takes and how what they what they bring to a team you don't really see on the field, you see off the field. You know, I took to those guys and and yeah, I just try to you know, try to be me in the clubhouse, try to be me on the field and just, you know, help the team win however I can. Will Smith, the catcher for the L.A. Dodgers, joins us here on the program. Let me take you back to last year, 2019, your Major League debut where you went uh, two for four. Speak to that in, in that first action in Major League Baseball 
with the Dodgers and, and right away having some success. Yeah, I think I think that was big for me, you know, having success right away in the big leagues. You know, I was I was hitting the ball really well in Triple in A right before I got called up. You know, I was, you know, confident coming in, confident I could play, but then, you know, you never know. It's a jump, it's a big jump from Triple A to the big leagues. Um and I guess there's always that doubt like do you belong here and you know get that get that in the very first game that I belong here and I can I can play at this level you know that was huge for my my confidence and you know the rest of the last year and then going into this year yeah and then the walk off against the Phillies really uh, just a few days later after you made your major league mm-hmm. debut yeah first career homer was a walk off that was that was nuts that was awesome yeah, and then the three, then what a three-run uh, uh, walk-off. Not that much after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A few, few like a month later, I got sent back down and called up again. First day, yeah, another walk-off. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of one of those, one of those things. You run into some balls at the right time, and and yeah, I mean, that was awesome. Great first year for me. Yeah, no question about it. Will Smith. A couple of more thoughts with catcher Will Smith of the L.A. Dodgers who joins us here in the program. How difficult. I mean, it's a business, right? You you had you were having some success. Then you had to go back to the minor. How difficult uh, last year? How difficult was that? Uh, for me, you know, you see everyone around you that goes up, plays well, gets sent back down. You realize that's going to happen, and I realized, you know, at some point that's going to happen. You know, I'm still hoping that doesn't happen, but, you know, I was realistic realizing – they're going to send me down at some point, but while I'm up here, I'm just going to keep playing. And when they do, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be that salty guy or that guy that's kind of like mad when you sit back down. I was going to come back down and keep playing and, you know, kind of force their hand and make them have to call me back up. And that's kind of my mentality through it where I just kind of expected that. So wasn't really thrown off when it did happen. Yeah. What are some of the major differences? I mean, there are differences. I get it. But the, the, the differences between AAA and then, and then ultimately the big leagues, which again, you started in AAA, went to the, the major leagues, went back to AAA, and then ultimately to the major leagues to stay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's probably the speed of the game is a little bit quicker um, in the big leagues. There's a lot more information you have to process. But, I mean, if you learn how to process that information, it can really help you, you know, succeed on the field. And, you know, fortunately, I'm around – around other players, the coaches that, you know, help you make that transition and understand all this information being thrown at you. You know, I've been able to take it and run with it and, and have a lot of success. Yeah. Last thought, uh, last couple of thoughts. Will, we appreciate the time. I mean, when I looked at some of your numbers from high school growing up in Kentucky, I mean, you had some really good numbers. We see ultimately a lot of guys that go to the uh, – that get drafted – uh, even straight out of high school, you weren't one of those guys. You had to go to Louisville, played what three years, then ultimately got drafted in the first round. So what? You know what? What uh, was the difference? How were you able to sort of refine your game in those three years to go from a guy not being drafted at all to a first round draft pick in just three years at Louisville? Yeah, I mean, I think it was you know a lot of hard work. It was a lot of hard work in the weight room, in the cages you know, on the field catching, um, catching bullpens and all this and playing games at a high level in college. And, you know, I was, was able to have a really good junior year and, you know, scouts saw, saw some promise in me, I guess. And, you know, fortunately for me, the Dodgers, Dodgers took me pretty high. Yeah, no question about it. And then uh, last thought, and we appreciate the time, uh, you know, when does the preparation sort of start? Uh, 
uh, for next year. And, uh, you know, obviously things are still going to be uh, we're still going to be in this COVID-19 pandemic situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for me, you know, I'm not touching a bat yet or throwing yet, but, you know, I'm working out, um, you know, starting to get my body re- recovered, I guess, from the postseason, those long games and, you know, starting to kind of get back into moving moving my body and getting lifting and uh, really getting in shape coming into spring training. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now, about two weeks out from, from our last game. And, and yeah, I'm already, already working out and stuff. So I'm ready to go. Yep. Will Smith, the catcher for the L.A. Dodgers World Series champion at just the age of 25, joins us here on Box to Row. Will, we appreciate the time. Continued success next season to you and the Dodgers. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Glad to have you on, Will. Thank you. Will Smith of the world champion L.A. Dodgers joining us here on the program. And I'm telling you what, the Dodgers have a, a great-looking future. I mean, you talk about uh, Mookie Betts. I mean, you talk about the pitching. I mean, the Dodgers could win it all again on next year. Obviously, there are going to be some other teams that have something to say, some uh, free agency and uh, some signings and so on and so forth. But the Dodgers are really, really good because when you look at the Dodgers, they've been right on the cusp for all of those years, making the playoffs, playoffs. Even when Don Mattingly was the manager, making the playoffs, didn't have, uh, you know, you could go back to the Astros and the cheating scandal with the Houston Astros perhaps prevented the Dodgers from winning the World Series that year. You can look at any number of, of things. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers again key down three games to one in the NLCS, ultimately able to come back, fight, win, and of course, win the whole thing. Reaction to anything Will Smith had to say, hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. Up next here on Box to Row, North Carolina State head men's basketball coach, Kevin Keats. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to shoot for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember most? most about your days at Howard. Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble, you know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience and I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I, I've come in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression, and that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen, and people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult, and I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Aquila memory out their head, but realizing Aquila also has, you know, has grown up. 
I don't ever want to be typecasted as just the weed hosting girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. Got the voice, of course, of T.I., it's some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and if that is understood, it wouldn't be the first. <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, you know? No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now. Well, like... <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to... Hey, 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 look, man. We got we to gotta hold it down so we, can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> that is the voice of Maria Taylor, ESPN College Sports Analyst. College Game Day is a show that I grew up watching, a, a show that I've always loved. I knew that when I was um, able to join, I was more than excited. I found out the same week as I turned 30. And it's just something that I never dreamed I would be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season. It's, there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm trying my best to find the open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up with Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I've run the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women like feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. He called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, uh, after I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout, so, and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State. What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? 
State University. <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU Sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina State. The Wolfpack has won 20 games in, or at least 20 games in his previous three seasons. The Pack going to open the season on November 25th in the Wolfpack Challenge in Raleigh. Kevin Keats joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Keats, welcome back to the program. Hey, listen, uh, thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm wondering why it took so long. It's been four years, and you know, look, I'm, I'm a guy that when things are going great, I like to do the same thing. I'm a routine guy. In 2017, we just won the CAA, and, and you and I had a great conversation. So I'm glad to welcome this conversation today. Absolutely. Uh, we are, too. I want to start here. I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on how you all have been able to prepare uh, as you prepare, of course, for the Wolfpack Invitational on November 25th amidst the COVID-19 pandemic? It's been tough, you know, and, and you know, I would be lying to you if I would tell you that it's easy. Um, there's been so many ups and downs. There have been so many stoppages. There have been, you know, when people just think about when you think about it, they just think about what happens on the court. You don't even think about, obviously, the adjustment that a young man have had to make from going from in-person class to, you know, basically all online. And so it's been it's been a challenge. Um, you know, we didn't have them in summer school as many weeks as we normally would. You know, in my case, I've got basically six freshmen who's never played in a, a game, and that's been a challenge. And so, you know, we've been doing it one day at a time, um, you know, it's uh, hoping that our veteran guys that we do have will step up and help teach the younger guys. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you have some veteran leadership, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. You lose a guy uh, like a C.J. Bryce. With that, 2019, of course, ended a little bit prematurely at the ACC tournament. I want to sum up, wrap up 1920. your thoughts on last year. Well, I, I like the way – we finished the season, and I thought we were playing good basketball um, like you want to be in March. You know, we just played at home on senior night against Wake Forest and had a great senior night. We were able to send those guys away the right way. And then, obviously, in the ACC tournament, we played against a really good pit team and played really good basketball. We were going to have the opportunity to play against Duke, which we split with Duke, but obviously had a great win at home against those guys um, you know, for 22 points, and then it ended quick. And so, you know, it's it's one of those tough things that we thought that on March 11th that the ACC was going to be canceled, but we thought that we could figure this thing out and then we would have an NCAA tournament. And a few, probably a few hours later, we found out that there, were no, there was not going to be an NCAA tournament also. I want to talk about a couple of guys, and, I mean, you've got a good mix 
some senior leadership, some guys coming back, and then some new guys. You know, if you think about the Devin Daniels and the the DJ Funderburks of the world, that senior leadership. But what about this recruiting class that you have coming in? It was a nationally ranked recruiting class. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have guys like Devin Daniels back and um, DJ Funderburg and Braxton Beverly. And then, you know, you, you add guys like Jericho Hellams and Manny Bates. So we've got a good core of guys who have, you know, been through the battles of the ACC. You know, they, they all of those guys have been a part of, um, you know, the winning that we've had. And then you add some of the younger guys. Um, you know, in particular, we've got two freshmen who I think are going to be really good. Uh, but they both are capable of playing, you know, either guard spot. Uh, one is Cam Hayes from Greensboro and then um, – other one is Shaquille Moore, both really talented. Uh, where I feel like they've been cheated a little bit is the fact that, you know, we won't have an exhibition. We won't have a scrimmage uh, for those guys to be able to, you know, kind of get their feet wet before playing in a real game. And then, you know, I had, I got, you know, obviously three more guys in that class that, you know, are talented. Um, who Nick Farrar, who's a local kid, who's a talented kid. His bas- basketball is probably going to be down the road a little bit. Uh, we've got a center, E.B. Dewana, who has a chance to be a really good player for us. He's a physical post who can, you know, he's starting to develop a back-to-the-basket guy, uh, game. And then Jalen Gibson is a um, 6'10", maybe 6'11 now, um, kind of a 4'5", um, who is starting to learn how to pick and pop and tremendous offensive rebound. And then I had two guys who sit out last year. One of them was Darion Sebron, who was an academic red shirt who couldn't play. And then I had a really good transfer from Nebraska who came back home, who was Thomas Allen, who's a big-time scorer. And so when you combine you combine those guys, all of those new guys with our older guys, I really like my basketball team. Kevin Keats is in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina State. He joins us here on Box to Row. And Coach Keats, you mentioned that senior leadership, Devin Daniels, DJ Funderburg. Let me ask you this. You guys were picked to finish eighth in the ACC this year. I know a lot of that is predicated upon what you did on last year, et cetera. But is that extra motivation for your team? I hope so. You know, as a coach, I've been doing this thing for a long time, and so I don't really get caught up in where they pick you at. It's For me, I look at the end results and where you can finish at. But if I'm a player, I hope so. I hope that that's motivation for those guys. Um, you know, I hope they look at the fact that we didn't get picked. Any, you know, we picked eighth, and none of our guys were picked um, to be a preseason all-ACC. So I hope they are able to use some of that as motivation throughout the year. Yeah, for you, and let me get back to recruiting for a moment. Having been the head coach at Hargrave Military Academy for so many years, obviously you have still, I'm sure, still have a lot of those relationships with a lot of the high school coaches. Does that that help you a little bit more uh, in terms of recruiting guys to North Carolina State? Well, it's my foundation. Um, I learned so much at Hargrave. Um, I learned how to run a program. I learned how to call a timeout. I learned how to draw a play up. And at that time, I did it. And if you made a mistake, nobody cared about it um, because we were talented. I learned how to recruit and build a lot of relationships um, throughout the, the country. And that's been a good thing for us and a big positive thing. Uh, we've been able to, you know, recruit 
the state of North Carolina, which I feel like is um, one of the best states for high school basketball. Um, it's tremendous coaches in the state and also, um, you know, obviously AAU and high school coaches. When you look at our recruiting class this year that we just signed, uh, we've got two guys who are coming from the state who are really good basketball player, and Taquavion Smith and then Breon Pass. And then we were able to go into Florida um, and get a really, really, really good player um, who um, Ernest is going to be really good for us. He's talented, um, knows how to play. He's a 4-3, uh, more, you know, we're going to play him more as a three-man, a small forward if we can. But those relationships that I built at the Hargrave has allowed me to be able to um, grow as a coach in many different ways. And then as I moved along in my career, I would add some stuff and take some stuff away and then kind of, you know, kind of develop what you see as your system. Again, Kevin Keats, the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina State. He joins us here on the program. Again, for you, you're in your fourth season. Uh, you know, you've had some success. I mentioned three straight 20-plus win seasons, your first season making it to the NCAA tournament. You know, some wins over Duke, which is always nice. How do you feel like you're growing in now your fourth season at North Carolina State? Well, we're moving along. Um, you know, you, you talk about that first season, good good season. We came in and uh, we went to the tournament. I felt like the, the next season we should have got, we had a great net. And unfortunately, we got left out of the NCAA tournament. That team also had a bunch of wins. And um, we, won, we had won double-digit uh, ACC wins. Uh, and then this past year, you know, we could have possibly, obviously, um, without COVID, I felt like our team was another NCAA team. So I feel like our program has been moving in the right direction and the direction that I want it to be in. Um, you know, when you look at year four, most coaches that go in year four, there's a, a season where they've had a really tough and struggle season. Uh, we've been consistent um, in the amount of games we've won uh you know, in our total schedule and also in the ACC. So hosting the Wolfpack Invitational is going to begin on November the 25th against Charleston. It's going to be at Reynolds Coliseum, which is your on-campus facility. Generally, you play in PNC Arena with seats uh, in excess, I think, of 20,000. Reynolds Coliseum, again, the on-campus facility, it's historic. One time it it it, it uh, could seat about 12,000. They've renovated, I think it's about 5,000 now or so. What does it mean to be able to be back uh, playing a game in Reynolds? And, of course, we know COVID could affect how many people are going to be in the arena. Well, I think it's great. Um, you know, we I, I tell everybody um, that we're fortunate because we're one of a, a few college teams in the country that have two great arenas to play in. You know, when you think about Reynolds Coliseum, that's the history of NC State basketball. Uh, it's a great venue. They've done a tremendous job in the renovation. You're right, it holds around 5,000, maybe a little bit more. Um, so we're excited about having a chance to play there. But I never want to leave out the fact that we have a great arena in, the P in PNC. Um, that's about 22,000. It's an unbelievable pro arena. Uh, we've had a lot of success there. Uh, we've been top 25 nationally in attendance since 1999 and so that's a good thing about it that being said we'll play games in both venues this year and excited that we can start the tournament um, our own tournament being able to play in Reynolds Coliseum 
Last thought, and I mean, obviously, COVID has put a pause on a lot of things, including the fact that uh, Raleigh and more specifically NC State was set to host the first and second round of the NCAA tournament this year. Everything is going to be in Indianapolis now, at least as scheduled uh, bubble style. Y- your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think we have to do whatever we can to provide a safe environment for our players to be able to play. If it's not a safe environment, then they obviously they shouldn't be basketball or any type of sport. And I think the biggest challenge for every university and also when it comes to the NCAA is trying to figure out how to make the best tournament or the best regular season that we can have. Um, there are going to be challenges when you look at the NCAA. In order to qualify for the NCAA, you have to play at least 13 games. Um, they've already said that you know everybody will get a season back no matter how many games you play in. I think everybody understands that they're going to be ups and downs this year as we fight COVID. Um, and there's going to be times where, you know, you may miss five, six, seven games. Could be as many as ten. Uh, it just depends on what the situation is. What we're asking our guys to do is try to be safe. Try to wash your hands. Try to be respectful of others. Wear your mask. Try to social distance. Stop. Try not to be in large groups. And we want to do our part to, to make sure we help defeat COVID. In his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina State is Kevin Keats. The Wolfpack going to open the season on November 25th in the Wolfpack Invitational at home in Raleigh at Reynolds Coliseum. As Kevin Keats joins us here on Box to Row, Coach Keats, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Wolfpack this season. Well, thanks, thanks for having me on. Let's not let's me and you. It's our fault now. Let's not wait another three years. We <laughs> got to make this an annual thing. So it's up to us. That's up to both of us to make that happen. Absolutely, Coach Keats will definitely do that. Up next here on Box to Row, my Week Eleven NFL predictions. Hey, did you hear about the Marjorie's Beef Jerky 1 million order fundraiser? The what? The Marjorie's Beef Jerky 1 million order fundraiser. No, what is it? It's a fundraiser for Marjorie's Beef Jerky. For every 1 million orders of Marjorie's Pick Any 6 Flavors Beef Jerky, they'll donate $2 million to employ civil rights attorneys and or provide burial costs to people for unjustified murders. Wow, that's pretty cool, and I do love Marjorie's Beef Jerky. I'm going to tell all my friends and you should too. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. We need your help to reach 1 million orders so that we can assist those in need. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's marjoriesbeefjerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. My predictions for week 11 of the National Football League right here on box to row. And we're going to start things off. The Steelers are going to be at the Jaguars. And the Jaguars continue to struggle. I mean, I think right now it's a race between the Jaguars and the Jets as to who will select Trevor Lawrence, number one. Overall, right now, the Jaguars are behind the Jets because the Jets are winless. The Jaguars have the one victory. I don't know 
that the Steelers are going to go undefeated throughout the course of the regular season and probably in their best interest not to. I think Kansas City really right ultimately is the team to beat the defending champs. I mean, they they've shown that where they're they can be vulnerable, meaning the Chiefs. I mean, I think at the end of the day, though, I mean, this I mean, the the, the Steelers are just going to beat the Jaguars uh, in Jacksonville. This will not be an upset of epic proportions. I have Pittsburgh winning. The Lions and the Panthers. Well, wouldn't you know it? The Lions are coming off the victory of the Washington football team on last week. The Panthers. So the Panthers at least were playing well to some degree when they, they had lost so many uh, games in a row. Well, this uh, past week, not so much. I mean, the, the Buccaneers expected to beat the Panthers. I thought it would be a little bit more. And I guess it was competitive a little bit. I mean, probably the score... Uh, 46 to 23, the game, I mean, if you can say the game was a little bit closer than the score uh, would indicate. Teddy Bridgewater uh, obviously injured and may be okay. No uh, McCaffrey, McCaffrey. I mean, that, that, that that's a tough deal for the Panthers. Meanwhile, the Lions, I mean, I, you know, the Lions running game, solid. I mean, I think Matt Stafford is very, very good. If you look at what he did against the Washington football team last week, he was really, really good. That Washington football team has the number one, at least from a statistical standpoint, and again, statistics don't wow me in professional sports, the number one pass defense in all of professional football. I like the Panthers. I think the Panthers can rebound uh, and win this football game, provided that Teddy Bridgewater uh, plays. I like the Panthers in Charlotte. The Texans and the Patriots. Boy, the Texans. I mean, I, I just, you know, Deshaun Watson, I mean, he plays decent. But again, I mean, you can't lose that many players. But I thought at least that the Texans defense would be better. And it isn't. I mean, it, it, it just isn't even with a healthy J.J. Watt. Meanwhile, if I look at the Patriots, wow, the Patriots coming off that big win. I mean, you know, Cam Newton isn't throwing for a lot of touchdowns. As a matter of fact, he had a wide receiver that threw for a touchdown last week, but he's rushing for a lot of touchdowns, and he's playing well. Like, he's doing what they need him to do. You can look as goes Cam Newton, so go the Patriots, particularly that he doesn't have a lot of weapons. Uh, the defense, the, the Patriots can rely on defense, and they have to rely on Cam Newton and Cam Newton playing well. Um, the Texans just, I tell you what, I mean, I mean the Texans just continue to struggle. I like the Patriots in Houston. The Titans and the Ravens. This is a game, <clears throat> you look at the Titans, and the Titans are a team uh, that are really struggling. The Titans are struggling uh, a little bit right now. Uh, meanwhile, you look at the Ravens. The Ravens uh, are coming off the loss to the aforementioned uh, Patriots. I mean, I still, like, I think, I mean, this, to me, <clears throat> the winner of this game is back on track because these are two teams. I mean, the Ravens, the Ravens are struggling a little bit. I mean, if you can say that a team that has the record that the Ravens have are struggling is struggling. I mean, you look at the Titans, the Titans uh, are definitely struggling. I don't think there's any question about that. Lamar Jackson, you know, he hasn't looked sharp. And, you know, I think they put together a game plan this week where he's going to look uh, a little bit sharper. That Ravens defense continues uh, to be solid because of that, I like the Ravens over the Titans in 
Baltimore. The Browns and the Eagles. Well, wouldn't you know it, Cleveland wins a 10-7 matchup against the Texans. The Eagles lose to New York. I I thought that the Giants would win that football game. Carson Wentz continues to really struggle. And this is an Eagles team that is really, really struggling right now. I mean, the Browns' win wasn't pretty over the Texans, but a W is a W. And, by the way, the Browns, you know, have the winning record. They uh, have struggled at times, but at times have looked decent. The game is in Cleveland. Uh, I, I just think the Eagles are struggling more than most teams, I would say. I mean, I'm not going to call – I'm not going to say the Browns are struggling because the Browns aren't necessarily struggling, but the Eagles are struggling. I like the Browns in Cleveland. The Saints and the Falcons. So, Drew Brees is out. Jameis Winston is in. Uh, again, I, 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 I'll go back to last year. You can look at the 33 touchdowns. You can look at the 30 interceptions for Jameis Winston. He likes to throw the football around. Um, he's got some receivers to throw it to. I, I don't think they're going to open it up. You know, Sean Payton's not going to open it up that much for Jameis Winston. He's got Kamara there. They've got a solid running game. I think he's going to do what he needs to do. Meanwhile, the Falcons are coming off a bye. And the, I mean, you know, the Falcons overall this season, I mean, they had some, you know, they've they had some good moments, some nice wins uh, on the season. But I think overall, the Falcons are struggling. Um, I don't. This is an a, a an NFC South matchup. I just don't see the Saints losing this game because the Saints are starting to ascend. You look at two wins over the Buccaneers, the one more recently, and then uh, the Saints able to get the victory over uh, to get the victory on last week. I like the Saints in this football game. The Washington football team and the Bengals. Again, Joe Burrow. Uh, we're going to see what Joe Burrow can do against, again, statistically speaking, the number one rated pass defense. Of that said, I think Joe Burrow may have some success against the Washington football team. I told you guys I'm not going to pick against the Washington football team, especially in close games. I mean, if it's an obvious game, which I've picked against them in obvious games, you know, I'm sort of getting tired of that, to be honest with you. Another uh, loss that made really no sense. Uh, against the Lions, another three-point loss, a game in which the Washington football team, I think play calling early on hurt that team. They got off to another slow start. The defense gave up some big plays, settled down late. The offense started to come back. Alex Smith is going to make another start. I like the way Alex Smith is actually playing, and I really believe that the Washington football team can win this game. I like the Washington football team over the Bengals in Washington. The Chargers and the Jets. Uh, The Chargers, I I tell you, I mean, the Chargers are a team. They just can't seem to get over the hump. Losing to the Dolphins, playing some tight games, losing some close games. That said, if you're the Chargers, you are playing the Jets. The Jets are awful. Uh, I like the Chargers in this game. I, I don't know the Jets' schedule. I think the Jets, you know, there's a real possibility that the Jets could go 0 for this season. Uh, I like the Chargers. I mean, I, I like the Chargers. They've lost some close games. I li- actually like the Chargers, and I like the Chargers in L.A. over the Jets. The Broncos and the Dolphins. Man, I tell you, Tua Tungavailoa uh, getting it, you know, he's, he's a guy that's getting it done. You know, the Broncos have had some moments again this year, but I think, you know, the, this, is, this is like if you're the Dolphins, you've won a couple of games in a row, 
you don't want to take a step backwards against the Broncos, who, again, the Broncos could win this football game. And if you're Miami, you're saying, okay, we're challenging for the playoffs. We want to continue to challenge for that AFC East, which is up for grabs. Look out. Patriots are coming. Buffalo, you know, Buffalo uh, had a game and, and couldn't quite close it out last week. It opened the door a little bit more for the Dolphins. I still think Buffalo's the best team, but the Dolphins have to win this game if they want to make the playoffs and stake a claim to the AFC championship in uh, the AFC East title, I should say, in a year when the Patriots are down. But again, they're on the rise. But I like the Dolphins in Denver. The Cowboys and the Vikings. The Cowboys coming off a, a bye week. Meanwhile, the Vikings, I tell you what, coming off a nice win. If I look at the Vikings again, Kirk, I guess, you know, got to give credit where credit is due. Kirk Cousins, although really Dalvin Cook in that running game has really opened things up for the Vikings. Meanwhile, the Cowboys uh, continue to struggle. No Dak um, this week. I mean, just a, I thought it was a team that could really win the NFC East. I thought was going to be one of the better teams. I just really like the way that the Vikings are playing right now. And I like the Vikings to continue playing well against the Cowboys in Minnesota. The Colts are hosting the Packers. This is an interesting game when you look at the Packers and the Colts. Like the Packers struggled last week against the Jaguars having to eke one out. Meanwhile, if you look at the Colts, like the Colts are starting to play well. Phillip Rivers, um, you know, starting to play well. That defense, Darius Leonard, I mean, he's an absolute beast. You know, he's back. He's healthy. That is, you can tell what Darius Leonard has meant to that Colts defense. He's back. The Packers didn't look as sharp against the Jaguars. Now, you can look at that as just an aberration. They had to come back in that game to win that football game. But I really like the way that the Colts are playing right now. I still think the Packers are one of the better teams. But I really like the way the Colts are playing. I like the Colts over the Packers in Indianapolis. The Sunday night game, the Raiders and the Chiefs. This is going to be a good game. Like, the Raiders are playing well. You got to give the Raiders a lot of credit right now. They want to win that AFC West. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. I mean, I don't really see, uh, you know, where there's a lot of weaknesses. I mean, you, they're they're vulnerable, right? Like they they've shown where they can be beaten. Patriots shown that you can slow down the offense. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going with Las Vegas, the Raiders in this game. The game is in Las Vegas because the Raiders are playing well and want to win that AFC West. If not, make a playoff, make the playoffs. I like the Raiders over the Chiefs in an upset. The Buccaneers and the Rams. The Rams coming off a decent win uh, on last week. Better than decent, beating the Seahawks. The Buccaneers are are good. I don't know, like the Rams, not sold on the Rams. Um, I think they're up and down, beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks don't have much of a defense. The Rams, I mean, are, are solid defensively, obviously, but... You know, I like the Buccaneers um, in this game. I think they, you know, they, they're going to you know, rebound a couple of weeks ago from the loss against the Saints, looking again for that NFC South uh, division. I like the Buccaneers in Tampa. I got to run. Thank you to Kevin Keats and Will Smith for joining us on the program today. I'd like to welcome our newest affiliates and those listening to us in Savannah, Brunswick, Waycross, Georgia, as well as Hilton Head, South Carolina on ESPN Coastal. Thank you for making From the Press Box to Press Row a part of your day. And have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. 
And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is presented by DW Communications.